Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I told my wife last, this past week, and last Sunday night, of course, I, I preached on a consecrated church that Sunday morning. I preached on a convinced church. Uh, totally, this is totally uh, unscripted. This is unscripted. This is, this is not, there's times that I feel impressed and I plan series ahead of time on the calendar. And those are just as much as ordained of God as impromptu, as impromptu. And, and uh, so last Sunday, those things come together as they did was impromptu impromptu series and I said last Sunday night that I felt my spirit in that Sunday that Sunday afternoon of, of another thing of a contagious church I told my wife I said I hope they all don't think that the next time I'm going to preach I'm going to preach on the contagious church I said because that's just the thing that God dropped in my mind it's not as though he gave the scripture and the content and all that other he just dropped that in my mind however this week in prayer and studying and again I've been kind of a homebound boy uh, this week uh, studying at the house and I was in prayer one day in my bedroom prancing back and forth before my dresser and uh, God spoke to me about another part of all of this and that's what I'm about ready to give to you here tonight I want to talk tonight about a convicted church convicted church it would seem as though like between the convinced and the consecrated should have been the convicted but God gave it at this time amen for what reason and purpose he knows more than anything again folks this is not planned this is not planned this is not something I sat down at the beginning of the year and said you know what we need to do this series on the church by no means but through my Bible reading uh, by week by week the Lord has impressed me at different times and I don't say that lightly. You can know this. Whenever I say that God's impressed me, God's impressed me. I'm not just throwing that out there just to color it for you. But God has impressed me. Amen. This week from the book of Jeremiah chapter number 5. Jeremiah chapter number 5. Amen. Jeremiah 5 and verse number 24. The Bible states these words. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He had the most, he had the most unenviable task of being a prophet, of preaching to a nation that God already told him wasn't going to change their mind, but he was obligated to say it anyway. Jeremiah 5, 24, it says, Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Verse 25, your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you, from you. I don't know how everybody else approaches the last this past week like we just had with, with prayer and fast. I don't know how everybody else approaches it. But I'll tell you personally how I approached that week is I look very introspectively in pastor's life. 
reflect very hard in my life and then the life of the church God has called me to pastor. Look, I look, I, I, I turn over stones. I kick, I kick brush out of the way for the discovery of whatever may be there, whether good or bad, just to accept it. I pull it into my spirit. And so this past week, as I looked introspectively into my own life and the life of this church, uh, this sermon was born a, a convicted, a convicted church. I want to just one phrase as it's termed in the message Bible for chapter 25. The last phrase uh, of verse 25, rather, in the message Bible states it like this. Your sins keep my blessings at a distance. And we've heard things this morning. God spoke some things this morning. And that is so refreshing. God has spoke things in the past. But I'm here tonight not, not drawing direct lines, but I'm, I'm wanting to cause us to think about the options of why it is sometimes promises are made and always kept in the they're coming. Okay? I want us to consider some options. It, you know, you hear from the pulpit or prophetic, it's on the verge. It's going to take place. I will. But what always keeps it in coming rather than arriving? Jesus. So tonight I want to talk about a convicted church. God needs a convinced church. He needs a consecrated church. But somewhere in between there, he needs a convicted church. Hallelujah. Let's pray to heaven right now. Father, I come to you. God, I know, Lord Jesus, what I felt in my bedroom. When you, Lord, placed this thought upon my heart and mind. And how you pulled it from my time of devotion and pieced it together. I pray, oh Lord, tonight, God, I'm thankful for the service we had this morning. I'm thankful, Lord, for your glory that blew in this place. But God, I'm asking, Lord, for us, Lord, to look introspectively tonight. I'm asking, God, for us to consider all the options, Lord, on the table. God, before us here this evening, God, would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, for this evening, God, for springboarding, God, this new year. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, God wants. A convicted church. Convicted church. And you may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord. It seemed to be that on this side of the tracks, as the message Bible states, it's God's blessings kept at a distance from us or Israel or his church would be an injustice you though as well as I tonight have heard the promised blessings of God for 
our individual lives. You, the same as me, have heard the promised blessings of God for this church just even as recently as this morning. And those blessings, I tell you now, that every blessing, every promise that has been spoken to this assembly, whether it be recent or whether it be old, all those blessings are foreseeable. And all of those blessings, many of them are even, in my mind, comprehensible. But the strain results whenever they are left unmaterialized. Left unmaterialized and unrealized. Whenever they are, as the prophet put it in the scripture, when they are at a distance from us. It's whenever we've stockpiled up all of these promises of God by the time that he spoke each one with the words, I will, I will, I will, that God has spoken to us, that then we are confused by them remaining unfulfilled. And it's at that point in time, as I've done this past week, that I needed to scour my personal life scour the life of the church for a possible answer to that dilemma why does God say he will do something and it's not taking place yet why is it that God speaks blessing and revival upon the assembly and it doesn't unfold yet why is it that every blessing that's on its way hasn't yet arrived why are blessings that are termed that they are on the verge of happening not happened yet? And why, God, is there this long pause that seems to keep them in the constant mode of coming, of coming, of going to get there, of going to approach, of going to happen for them not to happen? The Bible says, Jeremiah said it like this, that indeed good things were there, but they appeared to be withheld. That the blessings indeed exist. Amen. But the reality of them coming just a little further, taking just a little longer, was not quite yet there, kept at a distance from Israel and from his people. Can someone say amen? With that on your minds tonight, I would like to tell you this, that throughout my study of the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament, throughout the history of Israel, God has been bent on blessing his people. God likes, God wants, God desires, God loves to bless his people repetitively in the Old Testament as he was establishing the nation of Israel he assures them he speaks to them he whispers in their ears and oftentimes he says to them that I will bless amen everything that you set your hand to do I'll bless everything that you seek out to do according to my will and my purpose the Bible it's just a few pages in in Deuteronomy just a few, few books in that God speaks to Israel about his desire, his love, his want to bless them. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses told Israel as they were poised to cross the Jordan River into the promised land that, that not only would, would be blessings be coming their way, but Moses stated it like this from God. Blessings are coming your way. Blessings are going to come and even overtake you. He said, not only are they coming, but they are going to come and they're going to overtake you. Why? Because it's God's good pleasure 
to bless his people. Moses said it like this. You can read it in Deuteronomy 28. He said, you're going to be blessed in the city and you're going to be blessed in the field. He said, the fruit of your body, it's going to be blessed. He said, the fruit of the ground, it's going to be blessed. The fruit of your livestock, it's going to be blessed. You'll be blessed in your basket and in your store. You know what that means? You'll be blessed with what you put in your basket today and you'll be blessed in the store and in the future tomorrow. He said, you'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. Every enemy that comes to you will come one way, but they'll depart from you seven ways. The Lord will open his good treasure to you. The Lord will give you rain in due season for your land. He'll make you the head and not the tail. He'll cause you to be above and not believe because God is bent on blessing his people. God wants to. Someone say, God wants to. God wants to. God wants to bless his people. He desires to bless his people. And don't think for a moment as we're looking at something in the Old Testament that this is just something, some attitude that God had for Israel only. But he wants it for his church. He wants it for his glorious church. He desires it for you. And he desires it for FAC. God wants to bless his people. Jabez in scripture, whose name signals his plight. His name means sorrow. His name means afflicted. Was clued in on this aspect of God. Aspect of God desiring and liking to bless. In so much that whenever he begins his meager prayer unto the Lord. He says, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. If ever a man prayed the will of God, if ever a man touched praying the will of God, Jabez did because he requested something that God already desired. He requested something that God already wanted. In so much the Bible says in the trailing phrase of that verse, and God granted him that which he requested because God desires and wants to bless. His people. Amen. This is not this is not one of those things that he maybe would like to do or has been considering twiddling his thumbs on. This is something that God wants to do. He's so compelled, amen, to bless his people. He's so compelled and desires to bless his people that God, yes, our God, has been known to bless people while they're being blessed. Yes, sir. I'm not so certain we hadn't seen a little bit of that this morning. God is so bent on blessing. He's been known to bless people while they're being blessed because no sooner had Abraham walked up Mount Moriah and dropped the knife that was in his hand that he was about ready to sacrifice Isaac with and recognized the ram that was caught in the thicket that God told him, your descendants are going to be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of the sky. And this is the way that Genesis puts it. And in blessing, I will bless. God likes to bless even when he's blessing. 
I don't know if you understand. It's kind of like those figures. I, I think they call them, I might not get this right. I think they call them Matroska dolls or little nesting dolls. You know those little figures that have one exactly like it inside of the other one, yet a little smaller, and then you open up and there's another one, another one that graduates or, or it goes all the way down to almost like a wooden figure that's just totally carved, little nesting dolls or, or nesting eggs as, as you will. Amen. One within another. It's like an egg or within the egg is another egg and within the figure is another figure. Well, consume concerning God. Amen. It's like within the blessing is another blessing. Bishop oft times has described it like this. He says, I got goosebumps on my goosebumps. What is that? God's blessing in blessing. God's blessing in blessing. God doesn't just bless, but he blesses while he's blessing. God loves to bless his people. As a matter of fact, the story of Balaam. I'm just setting a foundation here. The story of Balaam and Balak alone is proof that when God wants to bless, when God wants to bless his people, there is no power, mark my words, there is no power or force that can prevent it. God wants to bless his people. Balak hired Balaam to curse Israel. Hired Balaam to curse Israel. But God commanded Balaam to bless Israel. So if God wants to bless something or someone, no adversary will be able to alter the outcome. This is how Balaam said it in Numbers 23 and verse 20. He says, Behold, I have received commandment to bless and he that is God hath blessed and I can not reverse it now listen each time Balak was taking Balaam to different parts different mountains to look and, and view the children of Israel on and was asking of him to curse them every time they would have bullocks and they would have altars and sacrifices and, and Balaam would seek enchantments to find what the purpose and the will of God amen was for him to speak and on the last time though amen he did not seek out enchantments the Bible says they had the seven bullocks and the seven rams and they made the sacrifices just like they had done previously but on this last time the Bible says that Balaam did not seek out enchantments as he did the other two times because he understood something. He's learned something along the way. This is what he said, that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. And so he spoke blessing. In other words, he didn't have to say, God, do you want me to bless him? Because he already understood the mind frame, the intent, the desire, the will of God is to bless. Bless his people. So I can't move on here tonight until I feel like I've convinced everybody that's sitting under the sound of my voice here this evening that God wants to bless you. God wants to bless your church and any adversary, any power of the devil that wants to do otherwise to thwart it can't if God decides to bless you. As a matter of fact, David said it like this in Psalms 5.12 For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. God is driven to bless you. Driven to bless this church. Driven to bless Israel. Someone say amen. But wait. 
the book of Jeremiah is the record of Israel's blessings kept at a distance from them. Good things. Might I even say great things were turned away from Israel. As Jeremiah puts it, withheld from Israel. Kept at a distance, if I can. The blessing was always on its way. At a distance. It was always coming. Always on the verge of happening. But never happening. Not happening. And so we scratch our heads and we got to ask ourselves a question. What's the hold up? If God is turned in a direction that he wants and desires to bless and there's no power of hell that can thwart it, what's the hold up? So again, folks, as I've went this past week looking introspectively into my own life and the life of the church, I believe that God, amen, forced in his word, and this is not an exhaustive list, but God has presented some options through his word. Amen. The reason why blessings sometimes always seem like they are on their way or on the verge or incoming and never arriving. You, you can see it in a distance, but you can't touch it with your hand. You heard it spoken through a prophet or through a promise, but it's not materialized yet. There are some reasons, I believe biblical reasons, why they may always be in the coming stage rather than the arriving stage. Everybody all right? Number one, it's a test of our patience. Our ability to wait. Our ability to forbear. If you allow me, these first two are just kind of whistle stops for us okay amen some scripture that relays I believe that concept and idea and I'll just hit on these Psalms 130 in verse 5 the Bible says David I wait for the Lord my soul doth wait and in his word do I hope we've all been there God gave the promise it's not coming to fruition we hope in the word that he's given and what are we doing we're waiting as it would seem upon the Lord. Isaiah 40 and verse 31. This is a good one. You know it. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. Not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Huh? Isaiah also said in Isaiah 49 and verse 23 the latter portion really but I'll read the whole thing and kings shall be thy nursing fathers and their queens thy nursing mothers they shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of the feet thou shalt know that I am the Lord for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me you know what God was saying he's saying if I've given you the promise and it's not yet yet come you won't be ashamed or disappointed in waiting because it'll happen Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3.25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. So number one, it may be a trial of our patience. Number two, a condition might need met. 
I don't know exactly what was said this morning, amen, in the message, every little thing, but I did catch that there was a conditional term that was in what was spoken this morning. There was a if this, then that. There's a condition in it, meaning God says, I'll do this if you do that. I'll go here if you do this. And so whenever there's a condition, what it means is this. Part one's got to be fulfilled in order for part two to be fulfilled. In order for God to do his part, we got to do our part. There's a condition. It's like the second Chronicles 7, 14 when he said, if, everybody say if, my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, everybody say then, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He says, I'm going to heal their land. I'm going to forgive their sin. I'm going to hear from heaven, but they must pray. I'm not gloom and doom here tonight, but I'm trying to bring us to a revelation here tonight that God desires a convicted church. So if it's always spoken as coming and not yet arriving, it may be that he's trying our patience. How will we forbear? Will we wait upon the Lord? That's a possibility. Another possibility, that which was spoken may have some conditional terms in it. If you do this, then I'll do that. We see that over and over again in Scripture. If you do this, then I'll do that. And so maybe we need to meet the first portion of the condition in order for the promise to come to fulfillment. But thirdly, what Jeremiah gave to us was this. This is where we got to get real. Jeremiah said, the blessings were kept at a distance or they withheld from Israel. Something that God wants to give, desires to give, loves to give, he withheld because of their iniquities and their sin. And I present to you tonight, knowing the book of Jeremiah, it was the sin of the worst kind. Oh, I need to know this, Brother McGee, because I don't want to fall on this one. The sin of the worst kind. The sin of the worst kind is sin without conviction. Sin you don't feel bad about. Sin that doesn't cause shame to come upon your face. Sin that doesn't cause guilt to come upon your heart. Sin that you don't... Jeremiah told Israel, oh, hear me tonight. Jeremiah told Israel, he said, your iniquities have turned away some things and your sins, your sin has withheld the good things of the Lord from you. In essence, their sin had kept the blessings of the Lord at a distance. Their sin kept them in that place of always coming but never arriving. Their sin kept the promise and the blessing always on the verge of taking place but not taking place. Their sin had kept it in the mode of always spoken as going to happen, yet never happening. Hear me today, hear me with the spirit and the heart that I say this to our assembly and to me personally here today. I've wept over the book of Jeremiah this past week. There's tears among these pages that fell from my face because I was looking at Pastor. I was looking at Paul McGee because Jeremiah isn't only the story of an Israel that's sinning and they did and abandoning God and they did but it's a story of an Israel that would not own that they had done anything wrong. It's a story of a nation that would not accept that you know what? I did mess up. I did make the mistake. I did go the wrong way. I did harbor the wrong attitude. 
is the story of God using a prophet to pronounce certain judgment on God's people if they didn't change their ways. And listen, you can read it in your Bibles. I got so many referencing scriptures in here. You want them, you just come to me after church. And Israel's response, whenever God was trying to sway them from doing what they were doing was this. I've not done anything wrong, God. What is that? That sin without conviction. I've not done anything wrong, God, even to the degree. God must not mind, Jeremiah, because I haven't been punished yet. And yet, Brother Alex Mason, I can be as faithful as I want to on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. I can go visit the prayer room before church and say my 10 or 15 minute prayer and come out here in the sanctuary and God's spirit can move and I can raise my hand and the bounty and the glory of the master may be there and I'm sitting there a little smug because there's things going on in my life but evidently God don't care and I'm not doing anything wrong because I'm not suffering no consequences yet. There's nothing that's befell me yet. So everything's all right between me and Jesus. But I ask you tonight, why is the blessing then still at a distance? Why is it still coming and on the verge and not arrived yet? It's an Israel, a nation with no conviction. She assumes nothing's wrong because she's not been punished. Nothing's wrong because I haven't suffered any consequences. And yet she's so blinded, she can't make the connection that blessings kept at a distance is punishment within itself. Brother McGee, I go there, I feel God's presence. I feel God's power. When I pray, I feel God come down. I feel him whenever I'm in the church. All that's fine and grand. And you think there's no punishment. But what about the promises that are unfulfilled in your life that you've already waited a long time for? Why haven't they arrived yet? If he's not trying your patience and not trying to see if you'll wait or forbear, and it's not a condition that you met, maybe sin without conviction. I still got a bunch of preaching to do, but just listen to me here a little bit. Isaiah, Isaiah said it like this. He said, our iniquities, speaking of the nation of Israel, he said, our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. He says, thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Let me tell you something tonight, folks. That God consuming us doesn't necessarily require God touching us with a rod of correction. Are you listening to me? God consuming you doesn't take necessarily God touching you with a rod of correction. But God can consume you simply by withdrawing his good thing. Simply by withdrawing his good things from you. 
and placing them, if you will, in that eternal on the verge type of mode of happening, of coming, of going to. And read your Bibles. I challenge you to do it if you haven't yet this year. Read Jeremiah chapter 1 to Jeremiah chapter number 10. And you'll find within those pages such things as this. Jeremiah said that Israel had traded the glory of the Lord for the schemes and the antics of false gods. Jeremiah said that they padded their lack of conviction with excuses like this. I can't help. I can't help it. They were duped into believing that they were okay and what they were doing were okay. This is in the first 10 chapters of the book of Jeremiah. They even stated in Jeremiah chapter number 2, they said this to God, I have not sinned when very much so they had sinned. But that's what sin without conviction does. It convinces you you've not done anything wrong. It convinces you you're an angel saint on the pew and there's no need for improvement in your life. But I guarantee you this as your pastor if you'll kick over some stones if you'll do like they did in the Old Testament and they sweep the house looking just for one piece of leaven you're bound to find it you're bound to find some iniquity you're bound to find something there that may be preventing the blessing from going on and coming they said I'm not seeing the Bible says Jeremiah said they even refused to be ashamed this is in your Bible. They refused to be ashamed to the place that they would call out. This just, this got me this week. This, this verse, you look it up in Jeremiah 3, verse number 5. This got me this week. They were crying out to God, my father. Familia, relationship status. The close tender relationship of a father they were crying out my father yet the Bible says they were still going on sinning I wrote I could go get I, this year I'm reading through the message Bible I could go get it for you I wrote outside of the side of it I said boy how many times have I done this that I still called him father but I was doing sin in my life I was calling him father but I had a little pet over here something that I was trying to protect that I said nah it's no big deal You can look. You want to see it? I'll show it to you. I wrote in my Bible this week. Boy, how many times have I? And then I'm wondering, why ain't the blessing coming? God likes to bless. God loves to bless. God longs to bless. Oh, it's probably we're just in the He's trying my patience. Honey, somewhere along the way, we got to get real of ourselves that if it's been a long, 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 long time and it's not come, could it be more than just Him trying our patience? Yet Israel touts, I've not suffered any consequences. But folks, good things being withheld, I think that's suspended blessing, all that. That's consequence, if there ever was consequence. The Bible says that Jeremiah spoke and said, it's God. Look at it, verse 24 of Jeremiah 5 in our scripture reading. It's God who gives both the former rain and the latter rain. It's God who brings the former rain at a time of seed time. 
Amen. After seed time, he brings the former rain to cause those roots to go deep within the soil. Amen. To find themselves sure and steadfast in the soil. And he'll bring the latter rain, which would normally happen right before harvest, to bring all the fruit of whatever that was, grain, amen, into fruition in that particular order to allow that crop to come to its fullness. Former rain and latter rain. Amen. And he would do that so that they would have increase at the time of harvest. So it would benefit their families, benefit their nation benefit their life but the Bible says that Israel's iniquity her sin that had no conviction turned away such things listen to me lean in right here lean in right here rain from heaven seems like a very natural thing former rain latter rain at the proper time for the seed that was put in ground and the harvest that is broke through the soil to come into fruition. Very natural occurrences rain is. Bible says because of Israel's iniquity, her sin more importantly, because of her sin that she didn't have any conviction over. Because of that, listen to me, it turned away the natural blessings. The natural blessings of God God wants a convinced church God wants a consecrated church but God must have a convicted church because a convicted church will receive everything that God desires to bless it with a convicted church hallelujah will not suffer any loss of blessing because of some foe or some adversary that decides to try to intervene but a church that's not convicted a church that is without conviction can't even touch the natural blessing not even the natural blessings of God the good things will be on their way but always at a at a distance. The Bible says in Jeremiah, I'll try to wrap it up in 15 minutes maybe. It says that Israel had, this is a common verse that we quote, Israel had left the fountain of living water and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns which could hold no water. And if that even isn't bad enough, Due to their lack of conviction of their sin, Jeremiah 3 tells us plainly that altogether the rain had stopped. So not only did they leave the fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns that wouldn't work even if there was rain that came, God says, I'll even withhold the rain. In other words, their cisterns, here it is, they got broken cisterns. Their cisterns can't hold water because they're broken. All right? Cisterns couldn't hold water because they were broken. But the rain couldn't even fall because Israel wasn't broken. They had no conviction. They had no conviction. They weren't a convicted Israel. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is the ear heavy that it cannot hear. He said, but, everybody say, but, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not here. Listen to me. This is, this is how severe it got in Jer- Jer- the book of Jeremiah. God said all this concerning Israel. It's not going to happen. They're always going to be at a distance to you. And you know what he told 
the pastor of Israel at that time, you know what he told Jeremiah? This is, you can read it more than once in Jeremiah. You know what he told Jeremiah? He said, Jeremiah, don't you even start praying for them. Jeremiah, I don't want you cracking your mouth open praying for them because they need to come to terms with themselves about where they are. You know what God's saying? I need a convicted nation. Without any intervention of anybody else, I need a nation that says, that's me and that's wrong and I've sinned and I can't protect this anymore. Other places in Jeremiah basically describes Israel that they basically just tuned out God. How many times have you done? How many times is the, 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 the repetitive knock on your heart's door, God trying to tell you about something going on in your life, and what do we do? Tune him out. That's great subject matter, God, and I'd love to entertain that, but can we set an appointment for another time? Tune out God. Is everybody okay? It says on one, more than one occasion in the Scripture this, that Israel could not blush. They could not blush. Why do you blush? Huh? Embarrassed? Guilt? Shame? Israel wasn't experiencing any of that. They were doing everything that should have caused that. But see, they didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong. They had no conviction. Their face wasn't getting red or embarrassed over what was going on because they felt very good where they were. But God's blessings were at a distance. What's going on, Israel? You're not, you're not, you're not even blessing. You're not convicted. Honey, they're, they're Job, unlike Israel in his book, Job was very much so unlike Israel. When he was going through all the calamity in his life and he'd lost his family and lost his livestock and lost everything. Amen. He's going through this terrible time. You know what Job starts thinking? What is this all about? Job was in a place. He wanted to get to the bottom of whatever it was. Because God, if it's something I can fix. If it's something, this is what Job said. I want to be aware if there's something wrong, God. Because if whatever's wrong has caused all this to come about, I'm willing to fix it in order to give back what I had. He wanted to be aware. The Bible says in Job 13, 23, this is Job. He says, how many are mine iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. You know what Job's saying? God, if there's something I need to own, I want to own it. Because I don't want your blessings being at a distance from me. He's saying, God, if I'm supposed to be embarrassed, I want to be embarrassed. I want to blush if my face is supposed to be turning red. I want to feel the guilt and the shame, God. Sometimes we pawn off our failure to blush on God as though it was his failure to come through with the blessing. We've heard it on multiple occasions from multiple people. 
God? Are you going to hold true to it? Where are you, God? When you going to show up, God? When you going to come through, God? Someone say amen. Someone say amen. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? When are you going to come through, God? God, it's your failure that we're not being blessed. It's your fault that it's not coming through. Honey, I believe we already settled the issue from the very beginning. God desires to bless his church. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless his nation. God wants to bless First Apostolic Church. But the question is this. Are we blessable? Are we blessable? Are we blessable? Are we... We're looking around as though we're waiting on God, but God may be waiting on us. Perhaps God is trying our patience, or perhaps if he isn't, I need to examine myself before God and say, God, is there any sin that I'm not convicted of when I come to church that I need to be convicted of? So I'm just presenting options tonight. I'm just presenting options tonight. Because I guarantee you, Sister Rhonda, don't you think for a moment I'm not sat in my office and put my face in this carpet in this church and ask God, when's it going to happen, God? When's it going to take place, God? When is this going to occur? When is this going to take? And I go through the options. Oh, he's just seeing if I'll forbear. He's just seeing if I'm patient. He's just seeing if I'll wait. Did I meet all the criteria? Did I meet the conditions? And then this week, God comes to me and say, is there any sin that you're not convicted of in your life? Because just as much of an option of waiting on God is a possibility and a condition needs to meet is a possibility, so is conviction, the lack of conviction over sin that may be dwelling in our lives. Our go-to will be we're just having to wait, but the reality of the fact is that might not be it. It may be sin without conviction in our life we need to own up to. From the pastor down to the child. How can the same God that told Israel, I will overtake you with blessing, now withhold blessing? The word overtaken in in Deuteronomy 28 it means this to reach you know what God was saying he said I'll reach you with blessing not at a distance I'm going to reach you with blessing but what would cause a God to say I'm going to reach you with blessing but now they're kept at a distance from you I'm bringing the plane in it'll take me a little while but consider with me tonight Reconsider everything that I preached in the first part of this sermon whenever I talked about God wanting to bless you, desiring to bless you, desiring to bless His church and His nation. Reconsider all the things that we went through in the beginning of this message. Here we go. Deuteronomy 12, chapter 28. 
Blessings going to come to them. Blessings going to overtake them. Blessed in the field. Blessed in the house. Blessed in the basket. Blessed in the store. Going to be the head and not the tail. Blessed and you're going out and you're coming in. Blessed from above. Amen. Beneath all these different things. This is what the Lord spoke in Jeremiah 28. He would reach. He would overtake an Israel. These are the things I didn't talk about. That hearkened to the Lord. That observed and done his commandments. That walked in his ways. And that maintained the path by not going aside to the right or to the left. Someone say amen. Jabez requests blessings from God. But the Bible speaks that he's more honorable than all his brethren. Abraham is blessed in his blessing. But the Bible just speaks of him being obedient and offering his only begotten son. To the Lord, Balaam is commanded as Balak is telling him to curse. Balaam is commanded by God to bless Israel. And this is what Balaam said. According to him in Numbers 23 and verse 21. According to him, I am commanded to bless. He says, because God hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. God hath not seen perverseness in Israel. He says, you know why I'm commanded to, commanded to bless Israel? Because there's no sin keeping it at a distance. There's no iniquity keeping it at Israel is convicted of the sins that she has. So the question that I ask us tonight is how can a nation, how can a nation be free from sin? Iniquity and perverseness how can a person how can a church they must have periods along the way of being convicted a conviction that pressures influences change and heart that is supple enough to accept it. Because this is proof of Jeremiah. If God desires to bless Israel, and he did, that blessing is predicated upon Israel's right standing with God. And if that is true, that tells me then, that God wants a convicted church. David said, for thou, Lord, wilt bless thee, what? The righteous. The righteous. And we don't get, and I know that this is very plain, but we don't get righteous by sinning. We don't get righteous by simply coming to church. We don't get righteous by using our time at church as a mask or a facade for other unrepented areas of our lives. But we get righteous when we get convicted of our own sin and we feel the guilt and the shame from it and we make amends. You'll stand with me today. People's going to drive down 11th Street or 12th Street. They're going to feel the pull of the presence of God on their life. 
They're going to come into the parking lot, and as soon as their feet touch the parking lot, they're going to feel the presence of God. God's going to have things happening during even the night hours that your pastor's going to have to call you and have you to come to the church because somebody that's hungry and wanting something done for God, God is going to, God is going to, God is going to. promised blessings that are coming that are on the verge I declare tonight I'm, I'm, I'm picking one of the three just for this evening so us to wrap our minds around it I say tonight that the promises that are coming that are on the verge they arrive when the sin issues that we're not yet convicted of get resolved and they get resolved when the church becomes convicted of them God wants a convicted church. And a convicted church is a blessed church. A blessable church. I'm telling you tonight, this is from pastor down to the kid. I'm asking us tonight to look very intently at our lives. Tonight, saying this doesn't apply to me is not acceptable in this place. tonight saying I've not done anything wrong I'm living the best I can for God that's not acceptable tonight in this somebody needs to get out the broom and start sweeping for the leaven which is very minuscule very small hardly detectable But if it's not timing and it's not condition, then I got to give myself over to think that it could possibly be sin that I'm not convicted of. It's time to survey all the options. It's time to survey all the options. And let me tell you, none of us will be hurt by doing it. None of us will be hurt by doing it. What you've lost? What have you lost tonight? If you came up to an altar night and prayed and cried till snot dripped out of your nose and left a messy spot up here on the altar, what's you lost? Huh? What happens if you start digging through the garbage in your life? you start turning things over that you, 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 you felt pretty firm and resolute in that, that the way that I do that or the way that I respond and the way that I handle myself all oh, that's okay well what's the big deal if God would just kind of put his finger down on that and say you know what you've been convinced all along that this is alright but it's not these altars are open this evening God wants and desires a convicted church because he desires to bless his church but he's not going to bless them unless she is convicted of any sin or iniquity that may be dwelling in her life. Here is God as a church to Hear us individually, God, and hear us as a church tonight. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.